You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. Joining me is another content marketing whiz, Mr. Ryan Hanley, Senior Vice President of TrustedChoice.com, Managing Editor of Agency Nation. He's a speaker, he's a podcaster, and he's also got a book called uh, Content Warfare. Ryan, welcome to the show. It is absolutely my pleasure, man. Uh, we have been bouncing off each other in the interweb for quite a while, and I'm uh, I'm very happy we're having a chance to chat now. You know, I I talk to a lot of people, as do you, and it's like we have all these connections with each other. We have so many people that we know in common, and you know, we comment on each other's stuff on Facebook. I mean, I, to the public, that sounds so weird. Like, ooh, you're friends because you comment on their stuff on Facebook. It's like, no, it's not what I'm saying, but you know, we do interact. And, um, so I'm glad that we actually get to speak and I get to hear your voice talking to me as opposed to just listening to it on a podcast or something. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, that's why the the podcast format is so amazing. And, uh, as a podcast creator, um, it's a blessing to be able to say, Hey, come on my show. And then you usually end up going on their show and you have these great conversations and it becomes this thing. And then all of a sudden you see each other in person and you're like, yo dude, like what's going on with that thing that we were talking about the other day. And it's like the very first time you've ever met each other yet. You feel like you have this deeper relationship. And, uh, that's why I love podcasting. I just always thought it was a chance to have cool conversations with people that I wanted to talk to. And, um, and it provides you with that and people get to listen and enjoy it as well. So it's cool. So here's a good question for you to start. Cause you mentioned podcasting. Where does podcasting fit into your personal content marketing mix? I have long said that podcasting is the only form of media production that I could not give up. Like if I had to give everything up except for one thing, it would, it would be, I I don't think I could give up podcasting. I love it. Um, I started in August of 2012 with content warfare. I I've done 160 episodes. The show's been on hiatus for about a month, mostly as I just kind of, I have a four month old and he is destroying, uh, my time. Uh, but he's starting to, He's starting to give me back a little bit of that. So Content Warfare is coming back. I have a whole bunch of guests lined up. I'm excited to do that. But I've added two new podcasts as well. So I have an insurance marketing show called Agency Nation Radio. And I have a kind of, uh, you know, talking heads, PTI kind of thing that I do with Marcus Sheridan called The Hot Seat, which... The hot seat has nothing to do with the show anymore, but it's really just we go on and we uh, get after each other about different uh, content marketing and marketing topics. So I, I love it, man. I, I I like to talk, so it fits my personality quite well. Yeah, I'm working on getting Marcus on to the podcast. We were together out at Social Media Marketing World, and we've had some conversations since. Uh, and I'm, I'm still trying to book the man. So if you have any ins, I'm throwing that out there right here on the podcast. You know, just drop you know? my name. That'll get it done. You know, you just... Just, just name drop Ryan Hanley and the doors will open. No, I'm just oh, playing. That's how it works. All right. So for <laughs> no, everyone, remember that. Uh, no, uh, I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll get that done, but I'm sure he did. That dude travels as yeah. much or more than anybody I know. And even though I'm supposed to have a show with him every week, like trying to find time is tough. Cause I probably do about 40 events a year. He's probably doing twice that. And, uh, it just ends up, you know, you're just traveling and and getting all this stuff done it, it really does eat up your 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 productivity and it's it's tough to travel to live the travel life and uh and produce at the same time 
so I, I somewhat joke a little bit about Marcus and, and whatnot. And it, it was a perfect transition that you mentioned how much he speaks. And, and, you know, you were mentioning to me in the pre, uh, the pre-show 30 times a year, you spoke last year, right. Or you spoke 30 times last year. Um, and Marcus is surely doing that. You guys are content marketing guys. You guys are also very niche with your, your content. I mean, you focus in the, uh, insurance industry and well, at least that's one of your focuses. And I know Marcus is still focusing on the pool, the pool industry on a lot of his stuff. Um, what is it? And maybe we have to define this. So let's, before I ask this question, let's define this to you. What is content marketing? Oh, I hate this question. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible question. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, uh, but here's, and here's why I ask because a lot of people are going to listen to the podcast and they're going to say, Oh, content marketing, you know, everything is content. Sure. That's great. Everything is content. Every post we make, every tweet you take, I'll be watching. Oh, never mind, man. See, I started singing. I, I actually went the same way in my head. I'm glad that you <laughs> on that. Um, no, but like people, some, there's a lot of people out there, marketers that, and you know, you know, many of them as do I, that think that they are content marketers simply by creating content about anything and everything, right? Like if there's a new app out they're they're jumping all over it and they're like, yeah, I'm a content, I'm a marketer, I'm a marketer. Okay. That's, that's great. But then you have people like yourself, like Nick Westergaard, who was on my show last week, like Marcus Sheridan, you guys are even Gary Vaynerchuk for all intents and purposes right now focusing on creating great content, not just shit and calling it content. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a, I have a really terrible definition of it on my website that I always have to go look up when I get asked this question. Cause I can never remember what I wrote. Um, when it really comes down to brass tacks, it's, it's two things. It's teaching and being useful and using content to do that. Uh, eventually those people turn into sales. They turn into relationships. There's a lot of there's a lot of um, uh, ancillary things that come out of it, right? Like over time, do you, you build great relationships? People begin to feel like they know you, even though they've never met you. They uh, become enamored with your personality and your brand. They feel connected to you. They become true fans. Maybe they purchase. Maybe they purchase again. Uh, they share. There's there's all these things. Uh, there's free. There's paid. There's a, it can get very convoluted. At its core, um, it's teaching and being useful and um, and using content to do those things. So when you watch uh, Marcus and uh, his head is going to get enormous if we make this entire podcast about him. But if you you watch what Marcus is doing with his new show where he's got someone following him around and kind of doing that um, a documentary style video uh, about about his travels and he's teaching people about how he maintains a quality work-life balance or, or just, he calls it the balance. Um, cause work-life balance is, is impossible. Um, he's also overused. Yeah. It's just in the whole concept of it is it's crazy it, to try to feel like you can balance work and life and be a human being. It, it's impossible. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a goal that's not worth reaching. Um, and we can talk about that in a minute, but, uh, that is, that is, um, 
you're teaching people about how they can better understand the things that are impacting their life. Like, why do I go home? And instead of wanting to get on the floor with my kids, I want to look at Facebook and respond to the 17 messages that I got today about my business. Um, How do I deal with that? How do I deal with feeling connected to a family when I'm traveling every week? Um, These things are helping people and they're also incredibly useful at the same time. And you may say, well, Ryan, that has nothing to do with what Marcus does for a living. It has everything to do with what he does for a living. He's showing people, this is what I can, this is how I can teach and how I can be useful. And by watching this and learning from me, you can figure out a way that you can impact, uh, use this in your own business, uh, to teach whatever it is that that you can teach. This is you know, I, I have found uh, Marcus to be kind of a Zen master when it comes to uh, maintaining a good mental, a good mental when you when you're on the road. And, and, and you know this, man, uh, if you're on the road too much, you, you start to you start to feel a little screwy. Um, uh, the world okay. just it looks different. It feels different. You feel a little disconnected. Uh, you can't. There's no routine. Uh, I know some people can pretend that they can live that life and, and maybe for a while you can, but eventually you have to reconnect. And, uh, and that's a very tough thing to do. And I think, um, I think what he's doing is great content marketing. That doesn't mean that that is the only form of content marketing. Uh, I have uh, a friend of mine that I know who, um, uh, she does these little Instagram photos and she tells like these little tiny stories with miniatures and food, like the miniatures are like doing things on food. It's like, a, it's this very weird thing. And it's a little too artistic for me, but like hundreds of people like and share these photos and they tell like little tiny stories. And I'm like, that's great content marketing because she's, she's being useful to people. She's helping them. Um, you know, just creating content for content's sake is stupid. Well, you know, there's so, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot out there that, that believe, um, that just by putting stuff out there and always being in the minds of people to an extent, uh, is, is a way of, of content marketing. And and obviously like I, you know, like you said, and, and I mentioned before, that's not what it's all about. So maybe you can explain a little bit of, uh, why you chose or, or maybe why it was mandatory, so to speak, big quotes around mandatory for you to niche and you, you focus on the insurance industry, right? Um, agency nation is a premier, uh, blog for all intents and purposes, um, for the insurance agency. Yep. Right. So why pick like this? We don't have to talk about insurance, but maybe if you want to talk, you know, specifics about insurance, that's fine. But why pick one specific thing to talk about as opposed to being all things to all people? Yeah. So uh, I'll give you the 10 cent tour of how I got into content marketing. And and I think that'll help explain this question a little bit. Um, So I had no propensity for the Internet. Um, I was a math major, uh, basically copied all my term papers that got me through college, um, had no real skill for creating content, have almost no artistic ability whatsoever. Um, so I, I didn't have a propensity for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for a large accounting firm for a while in Washington, DC. I worked for American express in New York city, tried those things. They didn't work. Um, just the standard case of meandering through life, not really knowing what you want to do. Uh, I met my then girlfriend, now wife, and 
and we both somehow pure coincidence were from the greater Albany, New York area, which is about two and a half hours North of New York city. So, so we, uh, we both kind of felt the same. We were, we were kind of not lost, but just, you know, weren't really attached to what we were doing. And we said, why don't we move home? And her father owns an independent insurance industry uh, agency. And I think he saw the writing on the wall and he didn't want his daughter to be married to a bum. So he sat me down in a big high back leather chair, like out of uh, some sort of mafia movie and kind of made me an offer. I couldn't refuse basically said, uh, now that you're moving home, why don't you come work for the agency? So I did. And I was a terrible insurance salesman. Terrible. (laughs) I just, I hated cold calling people. I hated interrupting people. Part of the job is, and this still today, you get in your car and you drive from business to business and you walk in cold and you hand people your business card. Every marketer on this call should get a little shiver up their spine. You do not want that life. It's miserable, right? I would literally start sweating in the middle of winter in my car as I was about to go walk into one of these businesses because I just didn't have that thing, that like lack of self-awareness that some great salespeople have where they can just plow through the person who doesn't want to talk to you at all and talk to them. I did not have that. So I was struggling really, really bad. And, um, and I, I had to find other ways of selling because this is my wife's family business. Like I'm the odd duck here. They would always look at me like, how come he's not selling? You know, there's always like this weird tension because I wasn't selling enough. And, uh, I was, I was miserable and I had to find another way to sell. And the internet and social media and all this stuff was just like 2008, 2009. So like, it's just starting to take hold. And I just said, screw it. I'm going to figure this out. Um, and ryanhanley.com, which is my personal kind of marketing website now, um, that started as an insurance blog where I, I deemed myself the Albany insurance professional. And as I learned insurance coverages as this you know, year and a half, two year old producer, uh, I just wrote about them. Here's what underinsured motors was or whatever the coverage was. doesn't matter. Um, it took me nine months and I finally got a phone call from someone who said, Ryan, I've been reading your blog for a long time. I really appreciate you, uh, putting all this out there. Like I can't find this stuff anywhere else. Uh, I have a business. Can you, can you help me with the insurance? And it was like, it was like, fourth of july in my head right it was like cake <laughs> and unicorns slanging down rainbows it was it was like all the things right it was amazing i was like there's something here so i doubled down on that effort and i really started plowing into it and just figuring out all the nuances of of how do you add value how do you do you know technical stuff you know uh, you talked about having uh, gary v on the show right his clouds mm-hmm. and dirt thing i am such a believer in that concept that you have to both understand the big game and you have to be a practitioner that that part i mean there's there's some things that i I, I don't necessarily agree with Gary Vion, but there are a lot of things I do. And one of those things is that you have to be a practitioner of this stuff. And, um, I became a complete geek down to like the nuances of Ange Page's SEO all the way up to how it all fits into this greater, uh, marketing, uh, philosophy and strategy. And, um, the month that I left, uh, the insurance agency, um, bunch of reasons, uh, amicable leave mostly just, there wasn't, they kind of hit a glass ceiling and, and, and that's fine. And you're still um, married. So that's good. Still married. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. I have a good relationship with the family. Just it, everyone just kind of understood that the end game for me wasn't insurance producer. Um, right. 
So, and, and everybody was fine with that. Sold my book of business back to them and, and it's all good in the hood. Uh, but the month that I left for a single location, 10 person, 12, 13 person, independent insurance agency in upstate New York, not a large city, right? The whole greater metropolitan area, 50 mile radius is only 750,000 people, right? So we're not talking about, we're not talking about Atlanta or New York city. Um, we generated 90 inbound referrals and wrote 47 of them. So you're talking about major, major impact on a small business in a small market in a niche industry by focusing on being useful and teaching, 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 creating value before you ever ask for value in return. And by by really dialing in on those philosophies, um, we changed the whole. I mean, they weren't they weren't struggling, but like amplified the business. I mean, put 20% on a $2 million a year business. So that's not a small amount of money. I mean, we're talking about a major impact and, um, and I fell in love. And then I just said, as an insurance guy, I'm eh. as a marketer, maybe I'm just above, eh. but as an insurance marketer, I'm the balls. And, uh, and that's why I've kind of stuck with insurance and marketing. <laughs> it's interesting what you said because you like, all right, I'm, I was a so and you know I was so and so at, at insurance. I was so and so at this, but put them together, and I'm like the greatest thing alive. Where do you think people get afraid? And I, and I use the word people, but marketer. I I don't even like the word marketers. I hate that word too. But where do you think professionals get scared of? doubling down like you said you doubled down once you realized you had something where where do professionals get scared like where's that line of like yes i should do it and then actually doing that because for you it was one phone call and you realize wow all of this effort is is going towards something uh, and and i'll uh, just a quick um let me digress quickly I have a, I have a couple clients that, um, haven't invested in their blog at all. And right now we're working on, you know, bolstering that. And, and obviously we're also bolstering their, their social presence and they haven't done it in years. So there's nothing there. And, uh, I mean, I can go into the reasons why, but it it doesn't matter. It's just, there's no presence there. So as, as we build it up, they keep asking, you know, when are we going to see ROI in this? When are we going to see ROI in this? And I said, well, you have to understand this isn't, you post one blog and all of a sudden like Google rates you at the top. This isn't, you know, post one thing on Facebook and all of a sudden people are going to start, you know, knocking down your door. It's, um, it's a, um, a cosmetology school. And so, and it's fairly expensive for what it is. And, uh, so I, I've been telling them we really have to dive deep, deeper. And so for them, there's, there's that disconnection. It's funny you said it because you got this one phone call and you felt like, wow, everything is there. And I'm dealing with clients that are kind of like, well, they want those phone calls, but they don't want to put the work in for it. They just think that everything should be that phone call. That's um, the hard part about this, man, is you have to believe. And there is, all right, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Point. So, um, so I, so my job today is uh, both helping agencies do uh, content marketing, digital marketing, all that kind of stuff themselves, as well as we have a platform which actually drives referrals and business to them. So it's kind of dual sided and it's incredibly interesting and it bends my brain from a content marketing geek standpoint every day. And I love it. Um, But um, one of the major pieces of pushback that I get always is exactly what you're talking about. It's it's Mm -hmm. they want it tomorrow. And this is why in the industries that 
have fought this type of work the longest, they, they always hold out kind of cold calling and that direct model as a crutch is because they can count it, right? You make 100 phone calls, you, you talk to 10 people, you set two appointments, you write one of those appointments. Okay, right. that's great. And that's a great, and you can operate a business with that methodology, and I actually have no problem with someone doing that. But what you can't tell me is you want to grow your business. You cannot look me in the eye, straight face, and tell me that you want to grow your business if you're going to rely on those methods for uh, acquiring new business. Because you can't scale 100 phone calls. The only way to do that is to hire 100 more people, and now you can make 1,000 phone calls or 10,000 phone calls, whatever the math is. And... But, but that is, that's not plausible. The only way to scale your business, to be seen as a, as a value creator and to drive inbound uh, opportunities is through content and digital marketing. Advertising as well, but uh, because of the short life cycle, I think that you have to be skilled to dive into the advertising world and too often amateurs take that on. Um, mm-hmm. I'm 100% for paid. I just think it is often mis understood and possibly misrepresented by people who don't necessarily know what they're doing. Um, but you get someone who's great at paid. I'm sure that you know this, you, you find someone who's great at paid and it's like a cash machine. But, um, I just, this is, it's a, it's a cultural and philosophical belief system that you have to have because it's going to take three months, six months, in my case, nine months Mm -hmm. of blogging twice a week, every week before I had one phone call. Um, and then three and a half years later, we write 47 pieces of business and five figures in revenue in one month. But that's three and a half years later. Um, but if you want to get to that point, you have to deal with the, the nine months of, of scarcity. Well, uh, yeah, scarcity is right. I mean, there's it, I think it goes even beyond that. It goes it, and it lends to this. This. Um, this urgency. I mean, like we, we have all this technology in front of us. We have all of this, uh, here and now, you know, we think to ourselves, well, we can Google anything. We can ask Siri or Cortana or Google, whatever you use. I don't know. Um, we can ask them things and get answers right away, but yet we can't post something and get sales right away. Right? Like there's still, there's a disconnection between how we can consume content and how we produce content. But nothing um, works that way, right? Nothing that, nothing in life that is actually valuable, that's worth getting, like an inbound opportunity, is, is I do this action, I get that back. All these people, they go to country clubs, they go to networking events, they go to the Chamber of Commerce, they sponsor the Little League team, they do all these things, and none of those things have a direct ROI. But then it comes back to digital and content, and they're like, I don't understand how I posted a blog post and I'm not getting phone calls. And you're like, we just pit published an hour ago. I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is, it, it, this is the really hard thing for consultants, right. And for, and for the work that we do is getting people to better understand the timetable. And I think it all starts with setting expectations, which I'm sure that, that you do. I'm not, I'm not taking of course, yeah. Um, I'm just saying to, uh, there are too many of our peers who I would put under the rockstar ninja guru, um, category who, who write five easy tips to have more business come in the door tomorrow. And then it's like, Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Don't listen to anything I just said because really it takes a year for this to get done. But no one actually gets to, to the fifth tip, right? So it's it's stuff like that that 
you know, it's almost like we're, we're, we're killing ourselves by pushing all this out in there to generate or pushing this, all this, this, these ideas out into the world that, that make it feel like it should happen faster than it should. When the reality, the reality just isn't sexy. This is a grinder's game, right? This is, this is Matt Damon burning through card games at five o'clock in the morning, uh, for three days straight. Like this is how you make the money is by grinding and grinding and teaching and educating and just putting so much value out. And then, and this is the part that's magical, right? And I know you felt this. I have felt this is all of a sudden one of those little tumblers catches it's uh, the way you worded uh, a headline. It's uh, one of your friends who's been reading your post finally decides to share it into her um, her small business community. And pop, now people start calling and you're like, oh my God, I get it now. But there is this, you have to believe in the serendipity of this or it's almost a complete waste of time to even get involved in the first place. And I'm not saying that's the case with your client, just that, you have to have that belief. Um, and it sounds a little cheesy and a little kind of ethereal, but uh, it, it is it is ultimately the difference between the companies that are going to tough it out and, and reap those rewards a year, two years, three years down the road, and the companies that will burn out and all of a sudden go, well, well can't you just do Google ads for me and then complain because their margin is like 1%. Well, that's, and it's funny you say that because that's, that's a common, that's a common misconception that I get, I don't want to say often, but that I've gotten and, um, you know, oh, well we spend this much with Google and I'm like, well, what do you, what do you do with Google? Because they think, you know, Google is what they're, they don't get it. Yeah. And you know, they're paying, I mean, I'm shocked and I'm, and I'm going on the record as saying this to everyone listening. I'm shocked as to how many small business owners solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, how much they spend on crap that doesn't work. I mean, I used to attend this, um, morning. It was very similar to a BNI. I'm sure you've attended BNIs, Brian. Um, it was similar to that without the tracking and the, you know, forcing leads down people's throats, a little more of a casual thing, but we, uh, I was talking to someone who was a real estate agent. She was a her own, you know, agent. She didn't have, she wasn't a broker. So, you know, she wasn't, um, running an entire office. She was just an an individual licensed realtor. And this is, uh, this still boggles my mind as to how much she was spending for coaching or not even coaching. It was like social media, something 2,500 bucks a month. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, what were you getting for 2,500 bucks a month? And she didn't even know number one. And I looked at everything that she supposedly got for it and it was nothing was done for her, but it got me thinking these people have the money to spend they they I mean, for someone like her who was by no means, you know, one of these not selling multi-million dollar homes on the daily, you know, just normal homes in suburban America, um, spending that much money. So I started thinking, well, if there's money to go around, cause it's there, it's clearly there, you know, it, I know it. 
why aren't they spending it on things that work? And, and that was a question I still haven't answered. It was a question I, I threw out there to myself and I still can't figure it out because then you propose something that will work and can work like a car, you know, a content marketing strategy. And they're like, well, that takes too much time, mm-hmm. but you just spent 10 grand and wasted, uh, you know, four months of your life. So now what? I have two answers to this question. My first is that content, great content marketers, true value creators are often not the best salespeople. Mm, That's why I got into content marketing in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. They're teachers at heart. They're value creators. They're people with empathy for the problems that uh, those who follow them or that uh, are their customers have. And they feel connected to the success of the people they work with. What they're not is frontline salespeople. And so what happens is the frontline, the people who are frontline salespeople who realize that they can package up a a couple bullet points on the back end, but can get twenty five hundred out of somebody. They tend to get that money. Uh, That is not the case all the time and is not an excuse because uh, what actually what it actually means is as great content marketers, we need to become better frontline salespeople. We need to come better. It doesn't mean we need to be amazing. It doesn't mean we need to sell our soul, but we do need to become better. Um, And as much as um, some people give them a hard time, if you simply learn Jeff Walker's three video sales process, you can sell tons of stuff and be a great value creator. And I keep coming back to it. It just works every single time if you do it right. And and as long as you're not sleazy on the back end, you're actually going to sell things. It's incredible. I, I just, every time Jeff Walker's thing works, I come back and I go, this is amazing that this still works and it does every single time. Um, and for those that aren't familiar, it's like the three videos, um, paint the picture, uh, address the objections, um, provide a case study, uh, solve the problem or something. Right. It's yeah. Well, uh, well I'll definitely link that in the notes. Yeah. Do you, you know what I'm talking about though? Like it's yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. to me that that thing still works today. Um, but we're just completely off topic, but, uh, but it does. It's okay. And it's, it's not it's, sleazy it's, unless you're sleazy on the back end. It's a good, it's, I think it's a solid point though, that you bring it out is that sales and marketing or, you know, in this case, content marketing truly are, you know, different and you can't group them into one, one, uh, package. You can't say, well, marketing, content marketing, that's, that's sales. Well, it's really not. I mean, and one has to support the other. Yes. And that's where I'm going to bring this back to our buddy, Marcus. One of the things that I have learned from him uh, uh, is, is he always presses that the sales department needs to work hand in hand with the marketing department. So when you take an organization like I'll, I'll even use my small independent insurance agency, the Murray Group, right? Uh, What ultimately ended up happening was the last two years that I was there, I transitioned out of a frontline sales role because I am not a great salesperson. I can sell, but it's not my strongest suit. Um, So what I was doing, and we we set up a compensation structure that was advantageous for everybody, but we had uh, my brother-in-law who also worked there, who was a salesperson and one of the other guys, they would knock down the accounts. So it was kind of like I would set them up through the marketing and they would knock them down. And we would meet three times a week to talk about what messaging was working, how the accounts were responding to them, who was closing, who wasn't. Uh, And we would literally almost talk about every single account that came in and dissect it. So in that regard, the marketing team, which was me, and the sales team, which were these two guys, they couldn't do what I did. I certainly didn't have the, the 
I'm going to say capabilities, but also the desire to do what they were doing. But by almost being, you know, if you looked at the three of us, it would feel like a seamless team. We sold a lot of insurance. And I think what happens too often is those two ideas get completely compartmentalized, right? Um, It's sales and it's marketing and marketing's job is to do this thing. And we don't really care what happens after we pass the leads off. And all sales does is complain because they're not really the leads that sales wants. And sales has really got their own list of leads over here that they're going after and their own little spreadsheets. And they're not using the CRM. So marketing isn't getting the follow up and it becomes this disjointed activity. And for the organizations that can understand that they are different disciplines, but that they literally should be holding hands while they're working, that would make them less productive. So maybe just have them in close proximity to each other. Um, you can be inc- you can be so much more productive if those team teams are are really the same team, just different disciplines inside the same activity. But they are different disciplines, at, at least for all my experience. Ryan, um, I know that you're obviously busy creating content. You're busy uh, doing this. I mean, thank you for jumping in and talking a little bit about these differences. I I, I don't think we talk about that enough. And I think it's um, the sales marketing conversation is, I mean, that's an entire, we could spend probably uh, an entire week of podcasts on, on that topic alone. But I I, I do think, you know, in in closing or somewhat of a closing here, we can always leave it kind of open-ended, but um, I think that's a conversation that should be brought out more. And we always hear, you know, we, we're always hearing the ROI qu- conversation. We're always hearing the sales qu- uh, conversation and we're always hearing the marketing conversation, but no one ever puts the pieces together and, and maybe, maybe they do. I just haven't seen it and really says, okay, this plus this plus that equals you know, your sales or bottom line, whatever, maybe it's, we always want to break it apart and, you know, blame one piece of that puzzle and say, well, that's not producing. Well, hold on a second. If that is not working with this and in, in in this case, we're talking about sales marketing, um, you will never get, you'll never get and make money. Um, but I, I love your, I mean, I love the outlook on that and I love the, your take on it. It's, it's so true that, uh, we need to, we need to really step back and take a look at what isn't working and how we ha- have opportunities for improvement, uh, rather than just kind of give up altogether. I mean, that, we see it all the time. People are like, Oh, my content strategy didn't work, you know, again, because it was posted a week ago or an hour ago and they just scrap it all together. I mean, let's take podcasting for example, right? This is, this, uh, I'm a, I'm a 140 episodes in on the podcast nice. and I know, I think you're, you're pretty close. You're right around the same amount, right? 150, 60, somewhere around there. 150, yeah, 160. Um, <clears throat> the average podcast, uh, does not go past episode seven. Yeah, it imagine, imagine I look back. It is funny. I look back once in a while and I, I go look at like my seventh episode and I'm just like, Okay, what was my seventh episode of the podcast? And I try to think to myself, what would have happened had I given up at episode seven of the podcast? Like, what would it do? First of all, I wouldn't have awesome guests like yourself on here. I would have never had Gary Vee on the show. Um, but I look back at episode seven and I had Vivica Von Rosen talk about LinkedIn. And 
Yeah. Great guest. I mean, but I looked at the, my first, I, I looked at those first episodes and I said, you know, what was the difference between those and everything else? And I noticed that there was, there was a shift and I didn't even know this number at the time, but there was a shift between episode seven. And then after that, that most people don't realize they just go, they stop. They're like seven, I'm done. And then we can, we can relay that or we can kind of liken that to, you know, other things as well. Blog posts, you know, I wrote a blog for, you know, I was writing it for a month and I didn't get anything out of it. So I stopped, I was doing my newsletter for, you know, two months. I didn't get anything out of it. So I stopped, um, whatever it might be. I, you know, I made my, I did my daily vlog, my daily vlog for a week and I stopped cause nothing happened. I mean, I know people that are, con- they were contacting me, friends of mine. They were like, you know, I'm not getting any views on my, my YouTube channel. And I said, well, how long have you been doing it? Oh, two weeks, <laughs> two weeks. Really? And you, you think people are, well, I only have like 50 subscribers. So your number, so if you're getting 200 views, look at it, look at that number. Like that's, that's great based on your subscribers, right? People are seeing it. Well, that's not going to make me any money. Well, if you give up now, then you're sure as hell not going to make any money, right? Yeah. I mean, look at how many people do you think have started a vlog because of Amy's work, right? The consistency. And then gone two weeks into it and then this is so hard. (laughs) Screw this. I'm stopping. And it um there, to a certain extent this is a this is who can last the longest to a certain extent this game now it's obviously she produces incredible work so do you mm-hmm. you know what i mean but it's i mean you got to be good so assume the bar is you have to be good but there is this whole other piece that is literally there are a lot of people who are good or or even great but it's who is willing to last the longest and seth right i mean seth godin mm-hmm. writes a blog every day some of them are like 12 words and right. you would think now, if you start a blog today and you wrote 12 words, not a single person would read it. No, it would be crazy. But when you've done it for 12 years or 15 years or however long he's been doing it, you can write a 12 word blog and it's amazing. And it blows minds and be like, oh, look how he can be so, you know, such a genius in 12 words, blah, blah. You don't get that if you've only been doing it. You get uh, leeway. People look at your work better. They trust you more. Uh, it's a huge longevity, longevity game. Um, so I, I know you got to run, dude. Uh, one point that you made that I just want to. Uh, I just want to key off of before we go is the ROI question. Yeah, you can ahead. absolutely positively without a doubt, always track ROI with this work. You just have to ask where the business came from. It's that simple. I mean, I can't tell you how many insurance agencies actually I can tell you it's about 83% of insurance agencies do n- never ask throughout the entire sales process. how did you hear about us? Never ask 83% never ask. Why are you calling me? Right. It's just someone says, Hey, I'd like a quote for my homeowner's insurance. Okay. This is the information I need. Right. They get so jacked up that they never ask where the business comes from. So they don't know. Was it a friend that referred them? Was it their billboard? Was it the little league? Was it, you know what I mean? Was it the PTO? Was it the chamber of commerce? Was it, so all you have to do is say, I would love to, to, to work with you. How did you hear about me? Oh, you know, I've been following you on Facebook for like two years, Facebook mm-hmm. check Mark. Uh, you know, I was searching and I saw this ad and I just clicked on it and I found you and I liked your website, Google check. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's that simple. Um, you just create a physical sheet of paper. So that's something that, uh, you either can rip out of a notebook or you can just take it out of your printer and write down on it all the most common sources and an other. And when someone calls, ask them where they heard about you and put a little check mark. And at the end of the month, tally them versus 
how many of those you wrote. So like when you write them, circle them. And when I write, I just mean sell, right? Is a yeah. insurance vernacular. Yeah. Um, circle them. So you say, okay, I got 20 inbound opportunities and whatever business I'm in this month. And I wrote seven of them and six of them came from Google ads. Hmm. Where do I think my marketing spend should be simple? You know, whatever it ends up being. So, uh, you can absolutely track ROI. It takes a little bit of work and thought. And I think a lot of people like all like this entire conversation that we've had, um, oftentimes people just aren't willing to do that. But if you are, you can track ROI and be you don't have to be a hundred percent accurate, right? You just need to have enough business intelligence to make educated decisions. Yeah. And, and, and kind of like the last point here is that reporting is lacking. I mean, no, I don't want to say nobody, but there's too many that do not or either refuse to, or just are, are lazy and to not report or track, you know, my uncle, um, He's been an entrepreneur for, you know, 30 plus years since he moved to this country. My father, same, same thing. And they always, 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 this is something that my uncle teaches in his business, um, you know, to his employees, keep score to do more. That's something he always says. And And his, um, his analogy is because we grew up liking football, uh, in a football game, if you don't know the score, what's the point of playing? Like if there's no score, what's the point? And, yeah. and, and that's, you know, his analogy with us that he used my brother and I, and, and, you know, I'm sure he's changed it based on the audience that he was speaking to, but it was always something that I really, I, I didn't, not that I didn't get, I just was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Because you, you take it for granted, right? You just think, oh, it's going to happen. And once it happens, like, yeah, I'll, I'll pay attention when it, when the numbers are in my favor kind of thing. Like, you know, when you're losing, you don't really want to keep track of the score, but yeah. it's, it's, it's like golf, right? You, you go in golf, you have a bad day. Like, I don't even want to know my score. But as I got older, I'm like, well, no, I want to know when I'm having bad days and good days. Cause I need to know how to make myself better. Exactly. And, and, and that's where I'm just, I'm really glad you, you made that comment about tracking because that's a huge gap. There's a huge, huge gap, but you know what? If I feel like there's so many tools available to us, it seems like there's a new tool every, you know, month that comes out. That that's can really why I go help. analog, man. I'm I'm hundred yeah. percent with you. And that's why I go analog is because yeah. on this particular issue, I always go analog because, uh, it just, you can get lost in the tools and then a the tool doesn't connect with this one thing you have. So then yeah. make it simple. Mm-hmm. If it comes in through Facebook, right? So someone c- connects with you via Facebook direct message, check mark next to Facebook on your little sheet of paper. And if you have 20 people in the office that take inbound phone calls, you know, copy the piece of paper and hand it out to all of them, explain to them how it works and say, there is not a single piece of business, which we put into our CRM as closed that doesn't connect back to this page. So if a call comes in, all you have to say is, we would love to work with you. How did you hear with us or, or email or whatever it is? You just, you can always ask and that person will always tell you. And it could be Jimmy John or Sally Sue or whatever referred me. That's perfectly fine too. Referral check, go analog, make it simple. If, if you have so much business now, if you're a midsize or a large business that's dealing with, you know, B to C and it's, you're talking about thousands of transactions. Well then, then you need to spend mm-hmm. a little money and figure out ROI. Of course. But like yeah. if you're a small midsize business, who's dealing with, a hundred people or less or 200 people or less a month, you can use analog to track that. And, uh, and what you get at the end is such valuable information that it will help improve your business. I promise you, I promise you, I, 
if we had another hour, I could tell you stories about ROI. It's just th- this is so important. And also it is a firm bullshit meter for your marketing guy or girl, mm-hmm. whoever. If that person comes to you and says, you know, this stuff is tricky to test ROI, run for the hills. If that person even insinuates in any way that figuring out what the ROI of your efforts are, um, run for the hills because it may take time, right? It may, like we said, it may take six months, nine months, 12 months, but if you're tracking and you have a process for it, you will be able to figure it out. Um, at least to the point where you have good enough business intelligence to make educated decisions. And that's all you can ask for. We're not looking for a hundred percent accuracy. You're looking for enough accuracy that you can allocate your resources and your capital, the places that produce more business for you. It could be that you're spending $10,000 a month on Google ads and you're getting one piece of business a month, and that's only producing you $1,000 in revenue, and you're net 9000 in the hole every month, but you're not spending anything on Facebook ads, but the $200 you're spending on Facebook ads is producing four accounts, and, and your margin is 5X, right? Well, doesn't it make sense that you would reallocate those resources to the place that's actually closing business? If you're not tracking, you don't know. And, um, and going by the feel of the business owner, so many business owners are like, well, you know, I, I've been in this business for, you know, you know, man, I, I've been in this business for 20 years. I, I just know where my business comes from. Eh, wrong mm-hmm. answer. You don't know. You are wrong. If you, if you think you have it in your head, you are, you are losing opportunities and losing business. That is not the right way to be. Yeah, uh, that's such a good point. I, I think a lot of people rely on that gut instinct and yes. they're, you know, you can rely on the gut for a lot of things, but when it comes to tracking and uh, you're right. And especially with, you know, especially with things changing constantly, I mean, let's face it. Um, the, the landscape is constantly changing. It's constantly moving. So how can you possibly, possibly know you know, because it worked 50 years ago doesn't mean it's going to work today. I mean, it sure as hell won't work today. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and again, I know that's a, a very general statement. There are s- tactics and um, principles that are, are never going to change, but you, you still have to, you know, you still have to take a look at that. So, uh, Ryan, it's been uh, great talking to you. I want people to be able to find you. So how do they find you? And um, where can they get your book? Where can they find the podcast? Even though it's on hiatus, I mean, there's plenty of episodes to go back to. Yeah. Just let us know. Yeah, and so uh, we'll you, also uh, link everything in the show notes. So that's if not you go to ryanhanley.com. You can basically find all, all my stuff there. I'm ryanhanley underscore com, the absolute worst verified Twitter handle in the entire world. Um, and let's see, uh, if check out agency nation, trustedchoice.com. That's where like, you know, I, I'm kind of playing the bigger game there, right? I mean, we're really, um, that that's where I've taken my work from the small business world into the national, uh, into the national stage. And, uh, you can get a feel for it there and, uh, yeah, start with Twitter, start with my website, happy to connect with anybody books on Amazon. Um, I love Snapchat, big Snapchat guy, Ryan M Hanley on Snapchat. So connecting me there and, uh, all the other social spaces I kind of, don't do what I say to do. I kind of on them all. So, well, I mean, it's, it's tough when you're actually creating real content for, uh, for something specific, but Hey bud, it was a pleasure talking to you. And I know that we'll, we'll likely be seeing each other, uh, soon. So, uh, thank you. And I will have to get you on. We'll have to come back and do like a follow-up episode to this. Cause I know there's quite a few other things that we can talk about here. Well, we'll do a home and home. I'll, uh, let's get you on content warfare. Sounds good. Thanks bud. Talk soon. 
This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to brandboostcast.com forward slash subscribe.